Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend European DGI. DGI stands for Dividend Growth Investing. So yes, we'll talk about stocks as Mr. European DGI is passionate about dividend investing and he shares his European perspective on the matter on his blog and podcast. The dividend growth investment strategy is his chosen path to reach early retirement. So for today, we will cover the basics of dividend stock investing, how the DGI strategy can help you retire early, the difference with US dividend stock investing, the errors you need to avoid, and most importantly, how you can get started as well. This episode is for you if you want to learn more about dividend stock investing the European way. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Mr. European DGI. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having invited me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to have you here, uh, European DGI. I'm excited to have you because we have already spoken, interacted uh, on social media, on Twitter, and you speak mostly about, as your name says, European stocks. You're an in European investor and mostly dividend stocks, which I really like. And uh, yeah, it's a chance to have you because I haven't seen many literature or podcasts or even YouTubes on European dividend stocks. So that's, uh, that's quite exciting. So maybe let's start with the beginning, Mr. European DGI. Why do you like dividend stocks? So what I really love about dividend stocks is that it pays me passive income. There are a lot of investment alternatives where you get also a return on your investment, but often it's in, based on capital appreciation. But I just like the fact that it puts cash on my bank account and that I can decide myself what I can do with it and not a manager deciding it for me. So that's really what I love about dividend stocks. And also it is easier to sell and buy. So if you think about, for instance, real estate as an alternative, then um, I, I find dividend investing, I find it more lightweight, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, indeed more flexible. I agree. But maybe I was a bit fast, so it doesn't matter. But dividends, let's go back to what a dividend is. It's a profit issued by the company where you invested in. But do all companies provide a dividend? Oh, no, definitely not. So how you need to look at it is more like from a capital allocation approach. If you are, for instance, having your own company, right? So mm -hmm. let's assume you're, you're having a grocery store. and Every time at the end of the month, 10% of the revenue you get is, is your profit that you made. So then you have a decision. What are you going to do with this 10%? Let's assume uh, you, you, you had a revenue of 10,000, so you have 1,000 left. What are you going to do with it? Well, if I would be a company that's still in the growth phase, I would not pay myself probably uh, those 1,000 euros. I would reinvest it back in my business. But if at a certain moment you feel like, okay, you know, I've invested enough in my business, it's mature, it's, it's, it's growing nicely now my shop, um, maybe it's time to start thinking a bit about myself and pay me some of those rewards uh, mm -hmm. for my entrepreneurial spirit. And this is really how you should look at dividend um, 
investing to pay out a part of your profit to the shareholders. Okay, so all the shareholders are um, part owner of the company then? Yes, uh, correct. Yeah, so um, you have, of course, if you think about uh, stock investing, you have the banks that uh, where you take your debt, right, to invest. But then you have also the other part uh, is equity. And that's the, the investments that shareholders do in your company. And um, what is also good, important to know, if, if, if a company goes bad, then the banks, of course, have the first right to get the money out of the company before the shareholders. So as a shareholder, you have also the risk, really, when a company goes bad, you're kind of lost in the queue. I see, I see. And then you have built a website and as well a podcast based on a dividend, uh, your dividend growth strategy. So I think it's pretty clear what it is now at least the dividends, it's growing. But what is this dividend growth strategy? How does that work? How do I need to see this? Is it just I invest and I let it uh, run? Do I need to put money every month? Do I need to put money in several companies? Yeah, Can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, definitely. And let me start a little bit also why I then choose this strategy. So first mm -hmm. of all, dividend growth investing, what you, what you do is you invest in companies in which you believe that they will increase their profits on a year-to-year -year basis, and therefore will also, with that, grow their dividends on a year-to-year -year basis. The idea here is that, for instance, the income that those dividends give you, that they grow quicker than inflation. And this is really interesting, and also one of the foundational assumptions why I started dividend growth investing, because I would like to early retire, I would like to use dividends as income from that, but I don't want my, my I don't want my income to be flat, yeah, because over time uh, inflation will otherwise eat up my retirement again, and it would mean that I would, for instance, need to go back to a, a paying job. Correct. So I, what I really need, therefore, are growing dividends. And even the the best thing now at this moment, I'm not early retired yet, so. What I'm doing is I'm re reinvesting those dividends back in stocks that I would like to own more of. And this is uh, what, what you call compounding and the snowball effect. So you first of all get compounding by the growing dividends. So if you, if you for instance, have uh, 100, dividends, uh, 100 euros in dividends this month and then the company increases next year by 10 euro, you get 110 and 121. And that's how really your income grows over time. Mm -hmm. But if you then reinvest those dividends, it really starts lifting off into the sky if you uh, make the right decisions. Okay, and, and how long does that take? Because it, it sounds good, it sounds uh, sexy, <laughs> but, <laughs> but how long can it take to, to grow and to, to get a substantial cash benefit or a revenue stream from uh, dividends? There are a few ways I can answer this in. Mm -hmm. um, let's start from an absolute, absolute point of view. So we also dividend investors typically say once you've got invested the first hundred thousand, and mm -hmm. this is a lot. Yeah, it takes many people several years to get there, and I, I mean several more towards the ten than towards the one. But after hundred k, you start feeling it because if you have a dividend yield on your portfolio, so the amount of dividend being paid out hundred thousand, and you would get there for like let's say between three and four thousand euro on a yearly basis you're effectively getting around 300 euro per month. And that's really when you start feeling it, yeah? Because mm -hmm. 300 euro gives you already quite some earnings power. If you look at it from a time perspective, there are these calculators around, right? Where you can 
uh, calculate how much you need to invest and how long it will take with certain assumptions of also how the dividend will grow. So in generally, you could say if you are able at a certain moment to start investing with a 50% savings rate, which is huge for many people, right? Specifically when they're earlier on in their career, then you will be able to uh, retire early around 15 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you, of course, invest 10% of your monthly uh, salary, let's say, of your income, it will probably take 30 years or something like that. So um, it's more... Uh, the deciding factor is really how much money you can save on a monthly basis and invest in the stock market in dividend stocks with a certain yield, let's say 3, 3.2% yield. That's really the deciding factor. And it's a slow process. It's not a, a get-quick-rich scheme. Okay, so let's say I want to start today and I say, look, I want to put, I don't know, let's say 500 euros per month then I can expect that it will take me, I don't know, seven, eight years to start feeling this then. Uh, that really depends on your, um, look, really simple. I, for you, 500 euro means something else than for me, Yeah, depending on the country you Correct. live in. Yeah. So you have a different perception of, perception of value. It also depends on how high your expenses are. So let's say like that, if you would earn... Uh, again, a uh, thousand euro per month, and I know this is probably for Europeans a fake assumption. Um, but let's just for the math: if you would earn thousand euro per month and you can save five hundred euro per month, that means your costs are five hundred euro per month. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so if you then, uh, after let's say ten years, would be able to have uh, get three hundred euro in dividends by then per month, then you are only two hundred euros left from financial independence. So it really depends on your level of expenses and your level of income, and then how much of that, what we call the savings rate, you can invest in it. And I yeah. hope I'm not getting too complex now. <laughs> no, no, I wanted to ask the question uh, on purpose to kind of evaluate a bit how, how it works. Because, for example, if somebody in Luxembourg makes 3000 after tax, and his expenses are 1500 then it's a different story than if somebody in... Uh, in the Netherlands or in Poland that makes 2000 or 2500 with less cost. So it's just to put things in perspective, it depends. So it, it's very important what you said about the, um, the savings rate, because it doesn't matter where you live in Norway, in, uh, in the UK or in Spain. But if you, I mean, if your savings rate is 50%, normally in theory, the math should be the same. But of course, if you can live, if you can, the more you can save them, the faster it can, yeah, yes. it can grow actually. I, I would say the savings rate is probably the most important variable mm -hmm. for anyone who wants to use such an investing strategy. And this is not just about dividend investing. The say, similar is to uh, other kinds of investing types where you depend on the compounding to do the heavy lifting to bring you to early retirement. Mm -hmm. And this could be real estate. This could be just normal stock investing yeah, where you then later want to uh, withdraw from your portfolio to pay yourself. The savings rate is typically really key because that depends on what you can, uh, I said, that, that depends on how you build your snowball. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ask you two personal questions, but I think on your website, it says that as per today, your dividends cover about 20% of your expenses. Is that correct? Um, not anymore. I need to update that. It's around 27% of my oh, uh, expenses better. at the moment. Yes, oh, okay. it was a good year from that point of view. Yeah, true. And can I ask you how long you've been 
working to get to those 27%? Sure, sure. Uh, around six years. Six years. So, yeah, this was uh, six years every month consistently investing in dividend stocks. And I haven't actually not been always consistently. Sometimes I invested a little bit more, a little bit less. That's also learning to be more consistent. Mm -hmm. But you know, in the beginning, actually, it, 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 you will be surprised how quickly it goes. Um, I didn't start, for instance, with a 50% savings rate. I started with 30% or something like that. Mm -hmm. But the nice thing is, I would always recommend people to first do their best at their job and their work because uh, a salary increase is really what, for me, has been the determining factor on growing my savings rate. I mean, I can start buying the cheaper cheese in the shop, but it doesn't get me much further, right? But mm -hmm. the salary increase is really key. So over time, I've been able to keep my costs flat and just via the salary increase, been able to really rapidly increase my savings rates. And um, uh, yeah, then after six years, you, you will get these kinds of figures, yeah. Okay, very good. And then um, one question, uh, a side question. So are you only investing in dividend stocks or do you also do a mix with growth stocks and index funds or uh, only dividend uh, stocks? 90% of my portfolio is in dividend stocks and 10% okay. is in growth stocks. Mm -hmm. And that is more like, you know, sometimes I have the fear of missing out if I see all these, uh, <laughs> I said, uh, mm -hmm. crazy stories stocks, and... Yeah. Yeah, this is this ten percent is nice because I can uh, gamble a little bit without yeah. mm -hmm. uh, putting my early retirement plans into uh, destruction. Okay, okay, very good. That was a little side question, and then let's move on back to the dividend stocks. So you are a European DGI, so uh, it's maybe not as popular as I said. Uh, usually, when you read about dividend stocks, you read about a lot of U.S. stocks like uh, household names like AT&T some uh, U.S. REITs like um, Reality Income and this kind of companies. And even, I don't know, uh, Johnson & Johnson. Yeah, this, is, this was the one I was looking for. So these are great companies, but you are trying to find uh, the same kind of companies, but in Europe. So how do you do that? Well, um, it's actually really simple, right? We have a lot of stock exchanges in Europe. Mm -hmm. So it's just looking at the stock exchanges, what are the the most popular stocks? And I actually did this analysis the other day. I just looked at the 20 most traded stocks in Europe just by downloading the data from Yahoo Finance. And you'd be surprised that almost all of them are really great dividend payers. And if you then look at those companies in there, those are household names that we grew up with as kids in, 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 in Europe. So there's so much we can choose for from. The only thing I would argue that makes it a bit difficult sometimes for a dividend growth investor is that the dividend culture, the dividend paying culture from European companies is a bit different than American stocks. Mm -hmm. And that makes it different, but the household names are definitely definitely there. And I, I might get back to that uh, later a little bit uh, to give some inspiration. Yes, because um, it's true huh, that uh, as a European myself, I have dividends in the both in the US and in Europe. And indeed, as you said, there's a lot of household names which, with whom we, um, with which we, we grew up in as kids. For example, I can think of a few names. Doesn't mean that I have them in my portfolio, but like just Total, so the oil company, L'Oreal, because I'm worth it, Nestle, you know, it's a chocolates, whatever, 
it's it's a lot of products. Uh, Unilever, uh, you have what? Um, this other company I was thinking about. Okay, I forgot about it, but there's so many names that we are used to to buy or to use in, in Europe. So it's uh, there's many companies around us actually, and even luxury, for example. I think one of the companies you you have mentioned in the, in one of your videos is Hermes, so the the luxury company. Mm -hmm. So there's all these names are there, and they are a part of your. Uh, I mean, they're mentioned on your website. So it's many famous companies. So you don't have to look far actually to find those, which is great. And um, just one question: you 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 mentioned Yahoo Finance, but. Uh, where did you do your research uh, about dividend stocks? Did you read some books? Did you get on some websites before you actually started your journey? Uh, this is, this, that was such a nice, uh, a nice period journey. Imagine <laughs> this feeling that you suddenly discovered the world. Yeah, mm -hmm. That was my feeling when I learned about dividend investing. So, I mean, I bought almost all the books on Amazon that I could find around dividend investing. I, I was spending nights Googling all kinds of bloggers that were writing about it. So I think the the first one year, I was only reading books, literally going to Amazon. So, uh, And then these were books about Warren Buffett, who, in my opinion, is just a dividend investor. Um, but but also the dividend way. Uh, I mean, there's so many books that I've been reading, and 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 the, the bloggers like I remember Jason Fieber at that time. He had this blog called the Dividend Mantra. That I mean, that was such a boost of inspiration to me. And I, I remember just for a year, I had almost the books under my pillow, just reading, reading, <laughs> reading. Okay, very cool. So like like a kid who's uh, waiting for Christmas or something. Uh, even more in the candy store, you no, know, with... in the candy store, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, very good. And the thing is, okay, all those resources, uh, probably they come from the US. And are, are there major differences uh, for a dividend growth investor in Europe and in the US in the way they approach uh, things? Or uh, yeah. So the philosophy is pretty similar. The issue is, and that's why I also started writing about it, is that our our problems are slightly different. For instance, we don't have easily access to every every stock we want to buy yeah uh, from a european point of view we we typically depend on our online banks and this has been evolving luckily over time that we have way better access to to other stock markets but also we we usually have different tax systems which makes it a bit different so for instance i've never heard of the term 401k before yeah before dividend investing and i know exactly what it is because <laughs> it is it is for you know uh, it's kind of a tax friendly option in america to 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 invest in stocks mm -hmm. i mean this is not in every country in europe right so we we but we have we have different taxes i mean the, the netherlands has a wealth tax and a dividend tax how do you deal with that so problems are really a bit different from an um, investment decision point of view i would argue mm -hmm. and in belgium one issue okay i live in luxembourg as uh, the, the listeners know but since i'm very uh, active and uh, talking to Belgians, we have the double tax as well mm -hmm. in Belgium. So you, you, for example, let's say you're Belgian and you want to buy uh, stocks from uh, L'Oréal, so the, the cosmetics company, you get a dividend, let's say, of 10 euros, I invent, huh? so 10 euros from L'Oréal. So France will take a percentage of it, so the corporate tax. And then once you get the rest, let's say it's about 20% or 15, so let's say 20 to make it easy with the math. 
So you get eight euros, okay? And then the thing is the Belgian state will take, I don't know, 30% or 25% of it, but there's some treaties between France and Belgium, but your dividend is cut again. So let's say maybe you end up with six euros instead of 10. So, mm -hmm. I mean, these are all things you need to, exactly. to, to pay attention to. So it's not always that easy. It is possible to not to find loopholes, but to sign the papers, etc. at least in Belgium, to avoid some double taxes. So you get reduced at least. So at least your, maybe your, uh, in our example, uh, we said about 40% uh, tax withholding from the, the, car, the, the dividend, but maybe with the right papers, and it's simply sometimes just a form to fill out, maybe you can get uh, at least reduced by 15%. So in the end, you, you get 7.5 euros on 10 euros of dividend. But that all depends. So it's all things we, we indeed need to pay attention to. So is, do you also face the same issues, uh, European DGI? Well, yeah, definitely. And this is a, this is a really real issue that is um, troubling or are facing many investors in Europe. And, mm -hmm. and you didn't man mention the other one yet. That's also the alternative. That's investing in American stocks. But, mm -hmm. you know, the dollar be uh, had an impact of 10% on most of our portfolios over the last year. So, you know, it's, we're really not in a nice corner from that point of view, from an investing point of view, really on the weekend. Yeah, but that's that's what I get this question so often, and you know, tax does matter in our investment decision. But if you start thinking uh, like this, look, I think that uh, if you compare America to Europe, European stocks are generally valued less than American stocks already, mm -hmm. and I think a lot has to do with these kinds of things, like the investability in in European stocks. So, why not starting to look at the dividend after tax? Yeah, and then it becomes a different story. You might eliminate there for some companies, but if you start thinking that, I don't know, uh, Unilever pays 3.5% uh, uh, yield or something like that, and if they then would deduct 15% uh, tax and you have the double taxation treaty, for me it means in general I pay around 19% tax. That's still a pretty decent yield. If the alternative to um, uh, American stocks is 15% yield, and I also look at the after-tax yield. I can better probably um, invest in a company like Unilever than in Johnson and Johnson at at the moment, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because just yeah. I get still more buck for the for the same investment. So yeah, it's it's a more complicated story from that point of view. And no country is the same in Europe, and that's <laughs> the 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 worst. Because for instance, in France. You get this solidarity tax on top of it, but now they change the rules that for foreign years they don't need to pay that. But try to get your money back, like you mentioned, from the French government. I mean, this usually that if your bank offers it, they ask you 100 euro or 150 euros to do it for you. Now, who who is at that stage that they can miss 150 euro when their dividend is maybe 20 euro? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think uh, I talked about my um, my broker before. It's Bolero, so it's Belgian mm -hmm. one. At least you can, I do my forms, nothing is, you, I didn't need to pay for anything. So, so far it's good. At least with reputable um, brokers, it's fine. But I know some, depending on with who you trade, it's, it can be yeah, um, yeah. a service that you need to pay for. Indeed. So, yeah, it's all things you need to, to pay attention to. But I liked what you said about, yeah, consider the after-tax dividend. And this is what you need to look because otherwise, yeah, you 
you will always think about, oh, no, but I need to pay tax. I mean, paying tax is okay as I, such. Huh? It's just, and Joni, yeah. you talk about mindset often here, right? Correct. And what you, what you get into is the scarcity mindset, thinking about the tax, because you're giving yourself all the time an excuse to not invest in something. Mm -hmm. And what, what the result of that might be that you start looking into growth stocks. That's totally fine. It's not my circle of competence mm -hmm. uh, here because when you go into growth stocks, you go into stocks that might not be so stable. And then, then you're really, really, I said, in my opinion, you need to understand even more better those companies, understanding, for instance, what technology you are offering. Because I, I really feel like we are in times where the stock market S&P is now at a PE of 35. This is insane, historically. Yes, yeah? so... Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a bit concerned about that if I see the stories uh, on social media and such as well. And uh, no, no, you're absolutely right. And yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, indeed, uh, consider the the after tax, and then see if that works for you and if it uh, can work for your uh, strategy, and then yeah. see if then you can start building that recurrent cash flow. Actually, this is what I want to do. I mean, I don't only invest in dividend stocks, but it's part of my portfolio. And the goal is to get part of it as, uh, yeah, to cover my expenses as we go along. So I want to, to grow that as well, indeed. And then maybe one question I had for you is, um, you've been doing this for about six years. What are your, I don't know, let's say the, the lessons learned, the, the bad, the good, the, <laughs> the, the, the errors, the, the mistakes you made and, and the good things? So let me start with the bad things so that I can answer with the and and on that answer with the good things. Yeah. So the bad things, there are two things that I think many dividend investors uh, step into. Mm -hmm. That is one, copying investment behaviors from others. So I literally at a certain moment had I had stocks in my portfolio that when I looked at back at it, like, what is this doing in my portfolio? And this is because, for instance, a blogger wrote about it, had mm. a convincing article. So I just hit the, the 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 buy button. Yeah. Yeah. No clue what I was investing in. So this is where I say, do your home, own homework. That's the learning. If you don't have the time for that, don't consider dividend growth investing as a stock investing. Then just select two or three indexes that pay a dividend. Um, mm. And you have some high yielder indexes some low yielder mix it a bit up if needed but then just make your life simple uh, here if you don't have the time for it another one is uh, a mistake that i made is this is called the falling knife so and, and in a combination with chasing yield so at a certain moment general electric looked really nice attractive from a dividend yield point of view and i thought like well historical company for so many decades paying dividends uh, must be uh, transforming and I always felt that my story is wrong and that I didn't trust the CEO and, you know, I should have listened to my intuition. Mm -hmm. So when you're in stock investing, listen to your intuition, really, because uh, that's, that's also one of my learnings. And it starts with good management. So I became really, really picky on, 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 on the companies I invest in when I see poor managers. This is the reason why I don't invest in IBM. Uh, as an example, while I see many people being a fan of IBM mm -hmm. and they all tell themselves, ah, but they will turn around. It's IBM. They've been doing this for a hundred years. Yeah. But if you look in their data in their company, this is a company deep in trouble. Yeah. Um, they've lost the cloud wars. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Watson is not doing what they are promising to do. 
Red Hat, everyone talks then about, but Red Hat is minuscule when it comes to their revenue. It's not going to lift the company in the upcoming two, three years. So this is what I learned about stock investing then to, yeah, just follow your intuition as well and don't make any everything too analytical. Mm-hmm. And one question about the management. Uh, we've talked about it in a previous episode, but how do you assess? I mean, I can understand the numbers and the, the PE ratio that you mentioned. I think you can even find it when you Google the company. So it's very, very easy to find and some others as well, dividend yields. But how can you evaluate the, the management? There's no numbers for that, you know, when you open the balance well, sheet. Well, that's not entirely true. For instance, the new CEO mm-hmm. from GE, uh, mm-hmm. his, his name is, I think, Larry Kulp, or Kulp with the last name. Mm-hmm. He did an amazing job at his former company, which was also an um, industrial So uh, there are many CEOs that were working in different companies before where they have a really good track record. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second to that, you have Glassdoor. And one really good source of information is what employees think about their company. Because uh, if a company is well run, usually I strongly believe that, for instance, um, companies that don't don't have too many violations, ethical violations, and there's a Mm -hmm. a violation tracker, right, online, Plus, that score really high with employee satisfaction. I strongly believe, and there are some reports even, that there's a strong correlation to company performance. So you can you can look at past track records from CEOs, specifically the ones that um, are not homegrown. Mm-hmm. You can look at a violation tracker of a company, which is usually a result of management decisions. And you can look at things like Glassdoor. And that should give you a pretty good view about the CEO. And for the rest, we have YouTube, of course. And that's that's where, for instance, I really, really um, bought Microsoft when I started to get to know Satya Nadella and what he was saying. And I understand IT technology a little bit. I thought, okay, this is the change that Microsoft needed, the sound bites that he's giving. Okay, okay. No, I, I was wondering, yeah, if there was a metric somewhere in a report or something. No, it's, uh, it's, it's more like, okay, so you said Glassdoor, watch the videos, look look up the, the CEO on Google and uh, see what they have to say, what they're ideas are for the future yeah yeah so don't listen necessarily to their words track their track record yeah that that's my uh so i went also wrong on tupperware where i fell in love with rick goings his way of talking in the end i would call him rather a charlatan yeah okay no very good advice yeah absolutely and you know i i mentioned in a previous episode you know when you read the the reports at least the text the numbers okay they're drawing numbers but the text is always portraying the company more positive than it is. Oh yeah, we did so well. Yeah, we had an incident, but it it's always telling better than it is. So yeah. So fun fact, I did the other time an analysis because I like to analyze European companies from a historical point of view. And mm-hmm. I did an analysis on the amount of pages in the annual report. Did you know <laughs> that that compounded quicker than the dividends? So literally a report going from few, let's say 15, 20, let's say before the euro came, mm-hmm. it was maybe 40 pages and now it's 300 pages. Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> dividends didn't show the same growth, growth rate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a cool one. And Good, someone no. needs to write it. Yeah, that's yeah. even the worst. Someone needs to write it. Yeah. And, and somebody in, who will read the 360 pages. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering if you had any then stocks that you said uh, European stocks that are your favorite kind of or that you that you will keep forever, for example. Yeah, well, that last one forever. Um, uh, uh, that's a different story. But um, 
Yeah, my, I think my number one European stock is Unilever. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just look at their history, what they have done is, and, and how they are continuously reshaping their portfolio, then I'm definitely um, a long-term investor in Unilever. Mm-hmm. A second one is actually an insurance company, which is not so well-known maybe in, in Europe, but it's called Munich uh, RE, a reinsurance company. It's one of the biggest reinsurers in the world. This is such a boring company that I love it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one is Danone. Uh, Danone is having a rough time now with uh, the pandemic because they are mostly known for Evian uh, and the yogurts and mm-hmm. such. It's a company with a really nice history as well. But they are beaten down quite a bit. They were like on 80 plus euros uh, before the pandemic, now somewhere in the mid 50s, um, doing a transformation. But it mainly is because the restaurants are closed and their bottled waters are not being sold. So for mm-hmm. me, this is actually the perfect value play at the moment. If you believe that Danone will go back to levels of selling water uh, before the pandemic, yeah, that restaurants open again. So mm-hmm. and that's and so for me, it's uh, those three: Unilever, Munich, RE, and Danone. And you know, there's Ahold Delhaize that you might be familiar with. I mean, an excellent uh, uh, managed. Uh, grocery chain and we have i mean we have so many companies you mentioned already l'oreal yeah hermes international and then and then we still have some good oil companies right Mm -hmm. Uh, although it's a risky business but after shell cutting their dividends i think shell is actually in a nice position at least to provide optimism again for investors that want to start now but two sectors which are really really great in europe compared to other areas in the world it's really pharma when you look at it, we have Roche, Novartis, um, uh, Sanofi, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Novo Nordisk, uh, Coloplast, um, Novozymes. We have such great pharma industry in Europe, and they all pay very well uh, their dividends. And then we have a really good energy and utility sector, I would say. I mean, maybe good is not the right word, but interesting from a dividend investing point of view. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good, very good. And as well, of course, all this information, you can find it uh, through your uh, podcast and it's on your website. And so there's a lot of information out there and the companies we are talking about right now, I mean, uh, he has, uh, you have information uh, on your website and analysis. So that's uh, very good. And then maybe, you know, just to wrap up a little bit or just to a closing question uh, on the conversation is, let's say somebody wants to, explore or um, start with uh, dividend investing uh, in Europe, what would you recommend to do actually? So the first uh, thing that I would recommend to do is overcome your fear of investing. Many people are afraid to put their savings in stocks because they say, I might lose it. Well, I can tell you, I did the other day an analysis, ABP, the largest pension fund, I think in the Netherlands, they didn't in, re-index their pension benefits for the last 12 years, which means, and there was a 19% inflation at the same time. So if you would have not done anything, you would have lost 19% in future pension that you get. The same applies to savings. I dare to tell you, if you believe on the European economy or the American economy, then I would say that investor investing in stocks or in index funds, specifically index funds, is way less risky than keeping the money on your bank account. So mm-hmm. if you want to start now, 
start playing with some small money, even if it's just 200 euro, 300 euro, get yourself comfortable with investing. Yeah. yeah. And if you invest now and the stock market crashes tomorrow, don't be afraid then because you invested a little bit, don't, but never, never put everything at once in the stock market. Never. If you have, for instance, I get this question so a lot, oh, EDJ, I've got 10,000 euro. It's my savings. What to do with it? I say, spread it out over 24 months and invest every month a little bit. You need to wire your brain into this habit and to not feel that it's risky, uh, a saving or some, something like that. Really, that would be my advice. Get used to it. And, and then what about, okay, so I think this is already a big, big block. Eh? I think some, and the thing is, once you start, it's a bit easier than you start to learn and yeah. think. And what about then, once you overcome this fear, any tips uh, about yeah, moving on forward with uh, picking the right stock for you? How, how can I know that I should invest in, uh, just to name the, the few we named, uh, L'Oreal or Danone? How do I know this? I think uh, in that case, I would recommend to, of course, educate yourself a little bit in, in how to value a company. There are some great books about this and some some make you fall asleep, some keep you awake because they are exciting. But for instance, Benjamin Graham, Graham uh, the master of value investing, wrote a really great book, The Intelligent Investor, but it might be too hard for beginners. So um, there are a few books that are easy to read. I can send the links to you, uh, Joni, so that you can maybe put it with the description of this uh, podcast, if yeah, that, that helps. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, indeed, yeah. because the things I know, the intelligent investor, but I know that the listeners, there's various levels. So exactly, some, some exactly. It, so the intelligent investor will fit to many more experienced ones. And maybe yeah. for some beginners, yeah, if you have a few recommendations, uh, yeah, I would, I would yeah. appreciate it. I will share them with you. Okay, yeah. perfect, perfect. Okay, then uh, European DGI, we arrived at the end of the show. So it was uh, quite a lot of information and uh, I'm very excited to, yeah, to share this with the audience because it's dividends and we went a bit deeper, uh, maybe technical sometimes, but okay, that's part of it. And uh, no, really good conversation. Uh, thank you so much. And as you know, we always have our three quick fire questions at the end of the show. So are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, fantastic. So number one is, what has been your best investment so far? Microsoft. Microsoft. May I say a second one? It's yes. my wife. My wife. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> happy wife, happy life, as they say. Exactly, exactly. Okay, very good. And then, um, yeah, number two, what is a book you can recommend to anyone? And it does not need to be a financial book. In that case... I would advise, oh, that's a really good one. I really, really enjoyed the last book from uh, Bob Iger, the CEO of uh, Disney. Yeah. It's a great book. It's called Lifetime, A Ride of a Lifetime. And he just reflects on his leadership lessons, what made him successful in his career, how did he make decisions at the tough moments that were crucial to Disney and how it shaped the company as we know today. I found a really great uh, book to read. Yeah, I read it as well last year and um, it's fantastic. And at the end, you have all the lessons summed up and it's, it's yeah. really great because he has met so many different types of management. And it's really fun to know what striked me in this book is that uh, he was talking about Michael Eisner, so the previous CEO of Disney. And you saw that it was kind of a difficult person to oh, deal yes. with. And yeah. 
okay, I don't remember all the details, but I remember it struck me the stories. And, the, and then you think, you know, as a kid or as maybe a visitor of the park, you think, oh yeah, but Disney's a well-managed company, etc. And then you see that actually Michael Eisner, okay, he was a good guy, of course. He's uh, 15 levels above me in terms of management, but it's, yeah, you see he has a, his issues and stuff like this. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's really funny. I mean, we're all humans and it's uh, funny how Bob Iger managed to 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 get to the top and it was not easy neither huh, to deal with all those different personalities yeah absolutely yeah, fantastic definitely. Book. okay and then a third question um yeah what is the best purchase you can recommend for under 100 euros Poof. um bob Iger's book <laughs> <laughs> uh i i really wouldn't know i'm a frugal mindset so if you don't need to spend the money i would just not spend it if you have everything enjoy it that's what i would say mm, okay very good excellent so uh european dgi thank you again and where can the listeners find you uh, actually are you on twitter obviously where else so um at e easiest is to just google me so european and then dgi you will find my website there, which is europeandgi.com. And from there, you can engage with me on Twitter. You, engage with, you can engage with me on Facebook. You engage, can engage with me on Instagram, although I feel already a little bit too old for Instagram, so it is a bit harder for me to use it. Um, but other than that, you know, find my website. There's a contact form. You can always send me an email. I usually respond, with, uh, respond within a few days. It really depends on my work day if I have the time and energy to go through the emails. Okay, so very then, good. Yeah. Always okay. willing to help people um, with uh, with some questions to, you know, guide them in the right direction. That's also why it's also my mission as an investor to to educate others to to get more financial freedom. Fantastic mission. I I know you shared uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate what you're doing. And uh yeah, so thank you again so much for sharing your tips and your story with us. It was great to have you on. Thank you and I really enjoyed it. Good job, Johnny. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you find it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend or you can rate the show as well in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow as well. So thank you so much if you do that. And yeah, before we head off, let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, why do we love dividends? Well, dividend pay passive income. It brings cash every now and then, every quarter, every month, depending on the company. And two, it's more liquid than real estate, so that means more flexibility. Number two, the dividend growth strategy. Look for companies that increase their profits on a year-to-year -year basis and consequently their dividends. Pay attention to the growth rate, which should be higher than the inflation rate. Next, reinvest those dividends. And then as well, pay attention to your savings rate. That is the euro or dollar amount you save divided by your disposable income because this is one of the most important factors. And as well as uh, European DGI mentioned, your salary increases or income increases in general will help you there. Because if you keep your costs flat, you can then focus on increasing that savings rate and then you can grow the dividend income even faster. Number three, a few notes on uh, European dividend stocks. So we also have uh, household names. So think about the companies such as L'Oréal, Total, Nestle, Novartis, Unilever. So we've ha we have all grown up with those companies. There is no shortage of uh, dividend paying companies in Europe as well. The dividend culture might be different though. 
For example, the companies pay less frequently than in the US, company stock is valued less than in Europe. Another issue is the fragmented market, which means that depending on your broker, you may or may not be able to access specific markets. For example, if you're in Switzerland and you want to buy shares from a UK company, this may be difficult if your broker does not allow it. So then you may be limited in your choices of dividend-paying companies. Another issue related to that fragmented market are the double tax treaties because each country has their own tax system. So yeah, make sure you fill out the right paperwork to try to benefit from those double tax treaties so you can reduce your tax burden on your dividends. And as we said during the episode, do not let taxes deter you from investing in dividend-paying companies. In the end, you have to look at what is the after-tax dividend that you get from the company and see if it still makes sense in your strategy. And last point on uh, dividends, if you are European and you invest in US dividend-paying companies, be aware that you're exposed to the currency exchange risk, which may impact on your returns. Next, the lessons learned. Don't copy the investing portfolio of others. Do your own homework. Otherwise, if it's too complicated and you don't have time, go for dividend distributing index funds. Another important lesson learned is to evaluate as well the management of the company. Think about topics such as, did the company commit major violations? Does the CEO have an excellent track record? Are the employees happy to work there? So you can make your research on a few sources we mentioned, Glassdoor, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, etc. And last but not least, for those of you who want to get started, you will need to overcome your fear of investing. Keep in mind that investing in the end is way less risky than keeping it on your bank account, which actually makes you lose money. Start with a small amount of money and then educate yourself on how to value a company. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me if you have any questions or feedback. Send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.